that about sums up what I spent three hours of my time watching when Michigan took the field to host the Bowling Green Falcons. This game was very disappointing. Um, I picked Michigan to finally cover, much like I did for Ohio State, because I thought that both of these teams would be more lively in Week 3. Michigan had a much better performance in Week 1 and 2 compared to basically the rest of the Big Ten. They looked uber-efficient. Their defense didn't allow a basically single successful drive when they had their first stringers and starters in, and J.J. McCarthy looked like a perfect quarterback. In this game, though, J.J. McCarthy had, by ESPN's QBR metric, his worst game since his matchup against Michigan State in 2021, where he fumbled once and nearly fumbled again. He made several key mistakes. The offensive play calling was awful, Maybe that's because Sharon Moore, the play caller, was also the acting head coach, so he was juggling too much. But regardless, it's Bowling Green. It's Scott Loeffler and Bowling Green. By the way, I forget who that Bowling Green's um, player is, the one who got injured and had to go to the hospital, but I hope that he's okay. I just want to shoot that out there. His name's Demetrius Hardeman, uh, carted off after a scary collision um, in the middle of the game. I hope that he's okay. Early third quarter, he got carted off. Michigan, the fans, showed great sportsmanship in regards to Demetrius Hardeman's injury. Um, I hope that he's okay, and I just want to shoot that out there. There were a lot of injuries for Bowling Green. Um, But going back to Michigan... Again, to the, the the clown whistles, the cartoon noises, the cars crashing everywhere. This was the worst game that I've seen Michigan play, I'd say, over the past three seasons, since the beginning of 2021. This was worse than the TCU game, and the TCU game was full of errors, mistakes, um, laziness. That's something that I think has plagued this team, is they're bored. And against Bowling Green, they weren't just bored, but they were lazy. I think with Jim Harbaugh coming back against Rutgers, that's the perfect time for him to return. Because the way that this team is playing right now, if it weren't for Jim Harbaugh not being able to coach in-game for these first three weeks, and Michigan, in my mind, still should have performed far better than they did last night, I would have a medium to high level of concern against Rutgers, because Rutgers can run the football, Gavin Wimsat looks much better, both as a passer, I would say even more so as a scrambler, they have good defense, good special teams. This will be an interesting test. I think Rutgers, like I predicted in the preseason, has by far their best team under Greg Schiano. Will they go bowling with it? I don't know yet. We'll have to see. It's way too early to tell. They beat Virginia Tech, Temple and Northwestern soundly, but they didn't score more than 40 points in either of those games, and they have had some of their struggles of their own, of course. But I would have some concern, and even right now with Jim Harbaugh returning and the team still getting healthy, Rod Moore didn't play in this game, I don't believe, and there were some backup rotational guys throughout the game in the secondary, I still have a level of baseline concern for Rutgers, because if you're J.J. McCarthy, what What are you doing? 
what 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 are you doing? That's the one question I'd have for JJ McCarthy. I mean, honest to goodness, the people who I think the people who look at his first two games and said, "Oh, he's the nation's number one quarterback. He's a Heisman." That was an overreaction. He looked elite, and I said that, and I thought that this season he was going to be a top six quarterback, and right now he very well still could be that way. Um, Drake May didn't have a good game against Minnesota, and Minnesota's defense now looks like a paper tiger. He's still a good quarterback, and there are other examples, but McCarthy's performance was horrible, and now I guarantee there will be people who say, yep, fraud, not even top 25. Not, I'm not in the business of overreactions, at least I try not to be, but to be frank, to be simple, he's not Caleb Williams, he's not even Shadur Sanders, I don't know why people expected him to to be that way, to be that good. I mean, he could, by the end of the year, maybe be, maybe be a better quarterback than Shadur Sanders. Sanders does have he is a beneficiary of that system that Sean Lewis runs, but I still think he's better than J.J. McCarthy, objectively. And with Caleb Williams, obviously, Bo Nix after yesterday is definitely a better quarterback. But what are you doing if you're J.J. McCarthy? You're, you know, underthrowing balls, you're forcing things, you're not, you know, throwing it out of bounds. And then if you're Sharon Moore, what are you doing after he has a bad interception and another bad interception? What are you doing calling the most bland NCAA 14 plays? You know, trying to go vertical, trying to force it, and not trying to get big play after big play after big play when that's not Michigan's style of football. They don't have the Marvin Harrison Juniors and Roma Dunzes, and even they don't have an Xavier Worthy on their team. I mean, Roman Wilson's good, but he doesn't have the raw athleticism that even Worthy does. What are you doing? Run the football. I mean, honestly, I would have rather seen Michigan run it for 40 or 50 times with Coram and Edwards and have it be like a 35 nothing shutout, which would have been disgusting, but it would have been it would have been the Jim Harbaugh way to win, and I wouldn't be my mind wouldn't be as full with so many questions because then I would say to myself, "Oh, they're just bored. They want to run the football." They chewed clock all the way down as much as they could. They ran the most vanilla offense. And from there, I wouldn't have too many questions. I'd be very confident that this team's just bored the minute they hit Rutgers. Rutgers is just going to get splattered all across the room. And I think that's more likely than Michigan losing to them or even playing in a very close game like they did in 2021. But nonetheless, now I have questions. And I think these questions will be answered in a positive way. Like with Ohio State, after that Indiana game, McCord wasn't as bad as everyone thought he was, and now he's in an insane rhythm. People who wanted Ohio State out of the top five immediately, that was ridiculous. I kept them in my top three, top four, and now they're looking like a top four, top three team again. You got to judge these things, trying to think in the future and projecting in the future, looking at the resume that they have remembering your preseason predictions unless they've been, you know, totally destroyed like anyone who picked Alabama to go undefeated or go to the likely their college football playoffs hopes are done, but they only have one loss, so I don't want to go there. But who knows? They play Ole Miss. But getting back to Michigan, the only thing consistent was Blake Corum on the ground. 
that was it. The offensive line once again improved. Blake Corum looked amazing. He had that explosive run to open up the game. When that happened, I thought Michigan was going to win like 52 to nothing. They were going to come out, do business, but, you know, shine in doing that. And one thing led to another. Bowling Green, to their credit, tried as hard as they could to win. Honestly, the pooch kicks, um, you know, passing and, you know, being risky, attacking deep. They had a drop touchdown pass. I mean, the, the final score of this game could have been Michigan 31, Bowling Green 20, if a lot of other things go Bowling Green's way. Now, obviously, not everything's going to go your way in a game, but Bowling Green had a drop touchdown pass, and J.J. McCarthy got away with a, a near fumble. That ball was out early third quarter. It would have been recovered and returned for six, and instead, Michigan punts it away, and Bowling Green does nothing with it. So Michigan had a super lazy, unacceptable performance, and when they didn't turn it over, they looked good. I mean, that that was probably the most painful thing watching this game as a Michigan fan, but also as a college football fan. Because now Michigan, you could probably pose the argument that Michigan's still the number one team in the Big Ten, but perhaps by a mile. I think that argument could still be posed. But then there's this other argument that you could pose that it's now looking at the past three weeks, and I think this would be an overreaction, and saying that Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten by a mile, I think's an overreaction too. We don't know yet, but there's an argument for both. Penn State and Ohio State had the better week three performances. Let's be honest here. Penn State didn't turn it over. In fact, they forced Illinois to turn it over five times. Granted, seeing how Toledo looked against San Jose State and how Illinois has looked against Kansas and, you know, factoring in all of that, Bowling Green might play, might compete with Illinois, might even beat Illinois. But nonetheless, Penn State went on the road, they didn't turn it over, they faced adversity, and they came out with a win. And that's good if you're Penn State. And if you're Ohio State, we'll talk about both of these teams, of course, um, either later today or tomorrow. If you're Ohio State, you're peaking at the right time. But for Michigan, there's questions to be answered. Clearly, Michigan, whatever point they were going to, they came down hard reality to a certain degree hit them. You can't be this lazy in game. If you're Michigan, you can't force things through the air. That's not Michigan's offense. Michigan doesn't have the talent to where you can sling it around like someone who's angry in a video game and still score off of it. You can't do it. You got to run the football. You have to take care of your running backs, get the tight ends involved, uh, more formations with six offensive linemen and not trying to go spread. Don't do it. And I put that on Sharon Moore. I also put that more so on J.J. McCarthy, of course. The wide receivers looked good. Cornelius Johnson caught a touchdown pass. Same with Roman Wilson. Johnson's touchdown pass could have been intercepted, but he made a phenomenal play with the ball. I think this game showed that McCarthy has questions, but that Michigan's receivers, if there's a positive takeaway from the passing game, it's that Michigan is a collection of great receivers, especially with Wilson but also with Cornelius Johnson. And Tyler Morris had plays where if he held on to the football, he would have had a good game as well. J.J. McCarthy, you saw his absolute best and his worst. It reminded me very much of the TCU game. 
the performance that Michigan put on. Corum had 12 rushing attempts for 102 yards and two rushing touchdowns. He had Michigan's most explosive play. Michigan opened up the game with a 54-yard run with, I think, like the not the first, but one of the first plays of the game. It was absolutely incredible. You got to see his speed, his ability to bust out of tackles and, and find holes through opposing defenses. Very good player. I think right now he's not being used as much as he should be. Now, part of that's because opposing defenses are stacking the box, but you're seeing this O-line. I know it's against bad level competition, and I'm curious to see how it will perform against Rutgers, but opponents are stacking the box still, heavily, and the O-line is improving, the run game is improving, Michigan finally had over 150 rushing yards, and they averaged over 5.5 yards per carry, Edwards had a few medium-ranged runs, so he's doing better. I think that Michigan needs to run the football more, get a little bit more back to your identity, just on the ground game. For the passing game, though, I like that Michigan's passing it more, but they can't be that vanilla and they can't play that frustrated or lazy through the air. You can't just run four verts. You don't have the talent to do that if you're Michigan. You might have the talent at quarterback to do that, I think, but even then, questionable after last night. McCarthy made some good throws, but he also made some frustrating throws, so I question some of his judgment after that game, although I think he will correct it, and I hope he does. And the wide receivers, Michigan has Cornelius Johnson, who I think is more of a possession guy. Roman Wilson is the alpha wide receiver on the team. That's one alpha wide receiver. One. You don't have two or three or four in the case of like Ohio State or Washington. You don't have that much talent. So, more short, medium passes, play action, and running the football, I think will bode very well for the Michigan Wolverines. Before we get any further into this video, please subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more Michigan football and Big Ten football content. Week four, Michigan opens up conference play. Ohio State travels to Notre Dame. Penn State has their whiteout. This series of games for week four, also Clemson hosts Florida State, Alabama, they open up SEC play. There's a lot of exciting matchups to cover this week, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy interacting with this channel and community. Comment your thoughts on this game down below. Like this video so we can get it into the algorithm. And also, check out my Patreon page in the link in the description. So, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, I think the run game was the highlight of the day. Edwards finally averaged over 5 yards per carry. He had a long rush of 11, too, so he was consistently gaining, he was consistently gaining 4 or 5 yards every time he touched the football, which is really good. Michigan had 169 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and the defense, Michigan's defense just showed out, and we'll get to that more later, but I think that they, they, the Wolverines, have the number one defense in the country right now. The offense, I'm not even going to attach a label to it. The offense has been inconsistent all three weeks. They've looked ridiculously efficient, and like they have the potential to be college football's best offense in the first two weeks, but then this game happened, and... 
I'm not even going to attach a label to Michigan's offense at this point. I need to see them perform against Rutgers before I talk about Michigan's offense above anything other than good. Jim Harbaugh, he's still out as head coach. He'll be back against Rutgers. So he served his three-game self-imposed suspension, which is good. Clearly, we need him, and Michigan needs him. Um, For Bowling Green, we talk about the winners at the end. We save the best for last. We talk about the losers first. Their defense was tough, but their offense was inept. I meant to say tough. My bad. Their offense had just over 200 total yards, 203. They didn't score a single touchdown. They scored two field goals. Um, Both of those drives for field goals were, one of them was in Michigan territory. The other was actually a solid drive put together against Michigan's first string defense. Um, Allen Anaya, he had, I think, three field goal attempts on the day. He missed a field goal attempt in the final few minutes when Scott Lofler just wanted to make the score closer and more respectable. His Falcons did put up a fight. They took advantage of several mistakes by Michigan. Hopefully they heal quickly because they're pretty banged up and they got experience and probably some confidence from this game. But all in all, Bowling Green's still a max school. They're not very good. Um, Their quarterback play, a lot of highs, but also a lot of lows. They didn't put together a run game until the end of the game. They had 36 rushing attempts for 79 yards. And a lot of those yards came at the end of the game. Their leading rusher was Nick Mosley, who on four carries had 33 rushing yards. And all of his carries were at the end of the game when Michigan had second and third stringers and on defense. This rushing defense for Michigan is legit. And I think I can say that without it being an overreaction. Because in 2022 and 2021, uh, when Michigan played similar inferior competition outside of Washington, who wasn't much better because they were 4-8 and eight in 2021. Michigan had, you know, Western Michigan or um, Jay Norvell in his first year with Colorado State. They were able to run the football better than anyone this year has been able to run on Michigan, at least when facing their first stringers and starters. So I think this defense for Michigan is continuing to show that they're one of the best um, and they certainly shut down Bowling Green at the lines of scrimmage. Bowling Green, their quarterback, specifically Camden Orth, and also um, Timoshek, I think is his name, or how you pronounce it, at times were able to get the ball in good positions against Michigan secondary. In fact, Bowling Green had a few long receptions. They had two that were of 30 yards or greater, one by Abdul Abdul Fatih Ibrahim, and another by Odiu Halari, who had 33 and 30 yard receptions, respectively. So they put up a good fight. All in all, of course, they were outmatched. They themselves made several mistakes. They had three turnovers. They threw two picks, and I think they fumbled once. And all in all, Michigan had four turnovers in a very ugly game. But Bowling Green had three turnovers. Another interesting statistic is Bowling Green had 12 or 13 more minutes of T.O.P. than Michigan did, which is, I got to say, that's something that I wouldn't have expected entering this game. 
but Bowling Green fought hard. Michigan, on the other hand, you can say that Bowling Green fought hard, but regardless, it's inexcusable to only beat a max school by 25. It's just not good. Now, Michigan hasn't scored high, and they haven't you know, put up style points in any of their games yet. But if you watch Michigan's first two games in week one and week two, um, when they were consistent, and if you average out those games, I think that they look like one of the top two teams in the country in those first two weeks. I think actually in those first two weeks, they look like the number one team in the country. Well, in this game, they clearly did not look like the number one team in the country. Penn State had a better performance. Ohio State had a better performance. Washington had a far superior performance. Many schools did better than Michigan this week. Many. Alabama is one where you could say they didn't. For Georgia, South Carolina is much better than Bowling Green, but they actually trailed, and they've they've looked, especially at quarterback, they've looked very sketchy in all three of their games. But Michigan has a ton to work on. Either they have a ton to work on, or this game was a total fluke. We'll have to see. It's It, it could be either or, honestly. Um, they have tons of errors and miscues, the forced picks, the... The offensive line, more specifically the running backs, Donovan Edwards especially, they were not good at picking up blocks when Bowling Green just sent the house. That resulted in J.J. McCarthy being sacked in this game once, and that was Bowling Green's only sack and tackle for loss all game. That wasn't on the offensive line, that was on Donovan Edwards. The O-line played really well. I think this offensive line right now is back up to being one of the better lines in the country. They're improving every week. The play calling needs work. Trench play also on defense looks great. Michigan had 312 total offensive yards. A lot of that was because Michigan's D-line was able to hold and force punts, even when Bowling Green was chewing clock, establishing game control, and wearing down the defense. A lot of Michigan's offensive yards are due to the fact that Bowling Green was... They were forced to give the ball up, whether through turnovers, field goals instead of touchdowns, or punts, whatever it was, Michigan's defense saved the offense against Bowling Green. I cannot even believe I'm saying that, by the way. Bowling Green? Bowling Green. I know they beat Minnesota two years ago, but Minnesota in 2021 was one of the most toxic Iowa football replicas that could ever have been produced. Michigan's offense had four total touchdowns. Sharon Moore, I just want to add this, he was the interim head coach in this game. I want to talk a little bit, although this is not a preview video, but about Michigan's schedule, because these by far were the easiest games on Michigan's schedule, which is why this is these are the games where Jim Harbaugh was suspended for. Rutgers... Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. They are all tougher than any three of these teams. By the way, UNLV did beat Vanderbilt, so I guess UNLV is better than expected, but still not as good as anyone in the Big Ten. Michigan State looked like trash against Washington. Rutgers has had some of their own struggles. They travel on the road. Jim Harbaugh, adding him to Michigan will help them a lot more. Nebraska and Minnesota just look, they look they look garbage on offense. They're putrid. 
Heinrich Harburg made Nebraska look better, but then again, that was against Northern Illinois, who's probably worse than Bowling Green. Indiana doesn't look good. Purdue, they don't look good. Michigan State, of course, will play Michigan with more heart and skill than any other game of the season by the nature of the rivalry. And Maryland's also starting out slow. Penn State, as much as they have looked good and better at quarterback than I've expected, their defense is just as suspect as I've anticipated. Their their tackles, their defensive tackles are not good. In fact, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac and Penn State's defensive ends are better at stopping the run than Penn State's defensive tackles are. Which, yes, of course, means that the Nittany Lions have great defensive ends, but against teams with great interior trench play and solid tackle play, that means Penn State won't be able to stop the run to save their life. And that bodes well for Michigan and Ohio State, who are finding rhythm on the interior of their offensive line, and whose tackles are improving, and who have good tight ends who can block and wide receivers who can block as well. But Penn State will be a challenge. It's on the road. Aller looks good. He hasn't thrown a pick yet, unlike J.J. McCarthy, and I'll give him credit there. He has incredible arm strength. Aller right now, and I'll mention this more when I react to Illinois-Penn State probably tomorrow, Aller right now looks like J.J. McCarthy from last year, except I don't think he's as turnover prone, but the consequences, he isn't as nimble. He isn't as good of a scrambler. He's more of a power He's what Josh Allen is. He's more of a power running back. He doesn't have that speed and elusiveness and quick tempo with his legs that J.J. McCarthy has. But in exchange, he has that bigger frame, more power. And from what I can tell so far, he's pretty safe with the football. He's had two, maybe three near interceptions all season long, but that's still less than McCarthy has had. McCarthy would have had four picks last night and would have had a fumble as well, if everything went Bowling Green's way. And then for Ohio State, the Buckeyes are peaking. They're a two and a half point favorite over Notre Dame as of this very minute. Their defense is good. They have some things to work on when it comes to third down defense, and also their run defense has some questions, but their secondary looks much better. Their biggest weakness right now is the offensive line. That is what keeps Ohio State's offense from being the number one offense in the country. That's the difference between their offense and Washington's offense, outside of the fact that Washington will not have as good of a run game as Ohio State due to the nature of Cameron Davis being hurt and Ohio State having two or three near-elite to elite running backs in their backfield. But Ohio State does not have the tackles or the center or, dare I say it, though I I want to watch film before I say this, maybe even the guards that Washington does. Washington's O-line is very good. They're potentially the best in the nation. And Kyle McCord does have some growth to do still, but Ohio State will be no joke. That's a serious test at home, and Penn State will be a serious test on the road. The point that I'm trying to say is I'm hoping that Michigan wakes up now because this team could legitimately be lazy, and they could get away with it until Penn State. But if they continue to be lazy all the way through Penn State, my fear would be that Penn State would come out and just smack them right in the mouth. You cannot play the way you did against Bowling Green if you're Michigan and beat Penn State and Ohio State. That won't happen. You could go 10-2. and Maybe if you play bored or you play vanilla, not lazy, maybe you could go 11-1 and and beat Penn State 
just because the nature of Michigan's ability to run the football and the fact that, one, I don't think Penn State can run the football against an elite defense, nor can they stop the run against a good to great rushing offense. But if you want to go 12-0 and and if you want to win the national title, play more like Week 1 and Week 2 with Jim Harbaugh doing things so that all the assistants can manage their own parts and continue to get better at the lines of scrimmage. Michigan, like every other team in college football, does have a lot to work on right now. So Michigan's 3-0, Bowling Green drops to 1-2. and Thank you so much for watching this video. Before we finish, let me give a quick shout-out to my all-American patron, Spencer Bringhurst, and my all-conference patrons, Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale. Check out my Patreon via the link in the description, and you will get bonus content. I'm trying to restructure how that content works just because I don't think I'm being efficient in providing good Patreon content, but you can support the channel, and there will be several bonuses, like, for example, your name being added to the end of the video, and I'll shout you out. And also, depending on the tier, you get posts, you get question and answer sessions, and you get content suggestions that you can give me. Thank you so much for watching. Once again, I could not do this without you all. Let's go on to 20,000 subscribers. Have a great day.